Welcome into Bearcat Rewind. This is episode number 60 of the podcast. We're coming up on the end of the winter sports season with the MIAA Indoor Track and Field Championships this weekend in Topeka. And the basketball regular season wraps up on Saturday. And we're also seeing spring sports pick up steam. So with so much going on during this pandemic sports year, we reached out to MIAA Commissioner Mike Racy on the current state of things in the conference and how they continue to be flexible to keep teams playing. Now, support for Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash alumni. And also Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information is at clorindahealth.com. Today's conversation with MIAA Commissioner Mike Racy discusses the change in setting for the MIAA basketball tournament, what the spring sports championship season could look like, and we also ask about what MIAA sports could look like six months into the future. Let's dive into this week's episode of the podcast. We're nearing the end of the MIAA basketball season, also the start of the spring sports season as well. MIAA Commissioner Mike Racy joining us. And Commissioner Racy, it's hard to believe where we were back in the fall and in late summer to think that we're going to go through and wrap up the MIAA indoor track and field season as well as basketball here. And uh, just a lot of time and effort put in to make all this happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's really a time to celebrate, Matt. It's been, it's been a long year. Um, you know we've uh, we've run a uh, run through a lot of emotions uh, both here in the office as well as uh, folks on our campuses and you know from from surprise and frustration and worry and anger and and uh, you know here we are at the, at least for the regular season uh, we're at the finish line um, you know our, our our indoor track student athletes will be competing for their conference championship this weekend and our men's and women's basketball student athletes they start uh they start next week with uh with the quarterfinal games so um you know it's been uh it's been a long road uh but it's been worth it and uh a lot of reasons for us to feel good about uh about how things have gone in the MIAA and one thing about it too that we could see back from the summer into the fall and then once we finally got basketball going as well for for each step along the way you could tell unlike some conferences and and some leagues the miaa was hey we're not shying away from this we're going to find a way to give our student athletes an opportunity to come out and compete and and doing it the right way in the safe way and and that's that's the outside impression what's it been like internally working with ad's and presidents throughout yeah i think you're reading it correctly matt um you know since uh since the pandemic started, uh, you know, last winter and then in in March of last year, the NCAA shut down the the Division Two and Division Three, and then the Division One championships. And uh, our winter sport athletes were, in many cases, sent home, you know, from the championship sites. And then and then they canceled uh, uh, the NCAA canceled the spring sports. And uh, you know we we entered the we entered this summer and and certainly our presidents and our athletic directors were determined to do everything we could to figure out a way to get our student athletes back on the on the fields and the courts and the diamonds and um, you know we were we were the last uh, Division two conference uh, you know to say that uh, you know we couldn't figure out a way to get uh, 
get the fall sports done with all of the restrictions that were in place from the CDC and the NCAA, and and we just stayed after it. And um, our presidents led the way, our athletic directors led the way. Um, we had great counsel and advice from attorneys, and uh, we've worked with the U.S. Council for Athletes' Health um, out of uh, Columbus, Ohio. They have provided uh, guidance and and advice from a medical standpoint. And for each roadblock that got put up, um, you know, we just found a way around it. We found another path, and and eventually, you know, in November, um, we were the first Division One or Division Two conference to put our student athletes back on the basketball court. We were we were playing uh playing basketball five days before the, the Big Twelve started back. So we took a lot of pride, you know, it, it's not a race. We're doing it in a safe way, but we, we took a lot of pride in being the first ones back on the basketball court and um you know, we're gonna, you know, knock on wood but uh uh tonight we've got three games that are our last make up games. And then we've got a full slate on Thursday and Saturday. And if, if we get all of those games played, uh, we end up playing every one of our, our basketball games scheduled for this year, 616 uh, college basketball games. And uh, we'll be one of the few conferences in the country that will be able to make that claim as well of, uh, of playing a complete season. So there's a lot to be proud of, um, a lot of hard work by our our presidents, our athletic directors, especially our athletic trainers, uh, they've been on the front line of making all of this work. And, and really, um, you know, a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of the credit goes to our coaches and our student-athletes that have had to, um, you know, live within the protocols that have been developed, and they've had to be dedicated and committed to doing all of the right things, and they've done it. And, um, you know, that's why we've been able to, to play the the number of games we've been able to play since November. Incredible to get all 616 basketball games in this regular season. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into making this happen. Part of the sacrifice for the postseason is not having the MIAA tournament in Kansas City at Municipal Auditorium, which is one of the most fun events, I think, in the MIAA every year of getting everyone together for that. But one of those things that, you know, feasibility, financially, making sure it's safe, a lot of reasons going into that. Yeah, I certainly was disappointed when we had to make that decision a few weeks ago. Um, at the time we made it, the mayor of Kansas City still had his restrictions in place. Um, we were being led to believe that those would continue through May, and we needed to make a decision that, uh, you know, really worked financially, um, that allowed our, you know, some access at least for our parents and our family members uh, to come and watch uh, basketball, and then, and then most important, you know, to be able to do it in a safe environment. And with everything we knew at that time, in um, in mid January, we made the decision that uh, it's probably best this year to play our play our tournament on our campus sites and. And it's it's disappointing. This would have been, I think, the 19th consecutive year of of having the tournament at Municipal Auditorium. It's a great venue. It's really a a great celebration uh, for the MIAA. We get to be the first big tournament in Kansas City during March Madness. You know, followed by the the Big 12 and the NAIA, and then 
and then usually some NCAA uh, uh, regional uh, 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 March Madness games. So it's always fun in Kansas City to be the, the first one to do that. Um, we don't get that this year. We'll be back next year. The city's been great to work with. They've they've just taken our our 2021 contract um, and we've moved that into 2023. So we've at least got two more years in Kansas City. But but this was really the a decision driven uh, by um, as much as anything by trying to figure out the best way to put our schools in a position to be successful in making a run to an NCAA championship and. Um, you know, we worried about bringing everybody to Kansas City and having a great, a great conference tournament. But then, then teams going home and and um, student athletes and coaches uh, testing positive, and then and then a quarantine situation, and they end up missing the NCAA tournament, and and that would be a tragedy. And um, so, you know, we really. In analyzing everything, um, we came to the conclusion that for this year, the best thing to do is to let these games occur on campuses where our staff and administration uh, and facilities have been doing basketball games since November and, and know how to, how to bring crowds in, how to clean surfaces, how to sanitize, how to you know, make sure all of the things that, that are uh, appropriate for social distancing and masking and all of those things are, are being enforced. So um, our schools know how to do this, and uh, um, at the end of the day, this is the safest environment for us to conduct a, a conference event that will uh, hopefully help springboard a men's and women's team onto a NCAA championship. And just to make sure this is correct, campus sites, but the highest remaining seed in the semifinals and championships will host that. That'll be all at one site, right? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, next Wednesday, we we start off with uh, quarterfinal games um, at the top four men's seeds and then the top four women's seeds. All of those games will be on Wednesday. And then the men uh, will move to a final four site at the uh, the highest remaining seed of the four quarterfinal winners, and um, you know, so if it you know if it runs chalk and we've got seeds one, two, three, and four on the men's side that uh, are left, it'll the final four will go to the the number one seed, and the men the men's semifinals would be on uh, next Friday night. Um, I think that's March fifth with the uh, men's championship game Saturday, March 6th. And, and so all, all three of those games, the two semifinals and the men's game, would, would occur at that, uh, at that top-seeded site. And then the same, same format would play out on the women's side with their, their semifinals on Saturday afternoon, March the 6th, and then the uh, women's championship would be the following afternoon, Sunday, March 7th. And Bearcat fans, of course, hoping to get as many games here inside Maryville as possible. Of course, the regional, the Bearcats are going up to Aberdeen, South Dakota for that once we get into the NCAA tournament. On the women's side, UCM has the chance to host after they lost it last year, COVID-19 protocols, but got the bid back this year. I'm sure there are probably some fingers crossed we get two MIAA host sites for the NCAA Central Region on the men's and women's sides. Just not that fortunate this time around. Yeah, it is. It is disappointing, and uh, 
I know, uh, you know, in years past, uh, those regional, those regional sites are really, you know, they're really awarded based on merit, you know, who the best team in the region is. And, you know, we certainly believe that, um, in, uh, in, in our region this year with the Northern Sun Conference, uh, that we've got the best women's, uh, the best women's team and the best men's team. And, uh, you know, the best men's team right now is Northwest Missouri State. And certainly believe that, uh, you know, they would, they would earn that right to host the, the men's regional. But this year's a little different. And, um, you know, the, the, really a lot of the, the determination on where that regional would be played, uh, came down to factors that they don't use uh, you know, in, in, uh, they haven't used in previous years and that, you know, size of arena, um, how big is the community, how many hotels, um, um, uh, you know, within a, you know, 15, 15 minute, uh, 15 minute drive, how, um, you know, how many, uh, locker rooms, uh, how spaced out are the locker rooms. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of things went into that decision that normally aren't, uh, aren't factors and, and uh, certainly the uh, facility at Northern State, I think it seats 8,000 fans. Uh, so they'll, they'll be able to get uh, at least 2,000 fans in to watch these games. Uh, they have uh, suites. Um, they have a number of locker rooms. It's, in a, uh, it's part of a sports complex. It's where they do their indoor track as well. So there are some auxiliary uh, meeting rooms and and locker rooms that are available. So all of those things went into it. But, uh, you know, I tell my friends at Northwest and, and, uh, really any of our MIAA schools that will be going up there, um, you know, use that as a motivation, um, to, uh, to win that and, 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 uh, springboard onto the national title. The, uh, University of Central Missouri women's team two years ago, um, we saw that play out where they, they really got robbed on a, on a uh, ability to host the region, it went north. Um, they had to travel up there and went on the road, win the regional on the road, and they, you know, they let that motivate them. And uh, you can you can do that in sports in a in a way where you can turn a, a negative into a positive by letting it motivate you. And um, hopefully that'll occur again this year. It should be an exciting March, and even as we get past March into April, the first round of spring sports championships come up with men's and women's golf there, I think April 19th, 20th, 21st, right in that area. As we look into spring and we think about baseball, softball, and beyond, do you think there's a chance we might see a little bit more capacity for some of these events, especially being outdoors, and we kind of weave our way through this uh, COVID-19 season? I think we will, Matt. I, You know, I think that... Uh... The plan for our spring sports has been to to kind of start slow and and that's why you see that twenty five percent capacity in place you know even though um you know even though these are outdoor events but uh i I think as we get into april and then and then approach our spring championships um i I think you'll see consideration of uh allowing more fans in and 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 easing some of these restrictions, especially as more and more uh, uh, folks in our communities get uh, get vaccinated, and and uh, the numbers certainly are improving. And in our four states, Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, we continue to see the the number of uh, positive tests and hospitalizations uh, continue to decline. 
so those are those are all positive things that um you know certainly um you know we have to follow uh follow advice and counsel from our our medical folks and our legal folks but i i'm hopeful that uh some of these restrictions we have starting the season um we can uh, we can ease them and it'll look a little different when we get to the end of the season all right and i got to wrap up with just one more put you on the spot question this is a tough one but we see Soccer and volleyball playing spring sports right now, moved out of the fall, and, and spring football getting ready to start up. Way down the line, we reach next fall. At this point, are you kind of anticipating things being a little bit more normal or, or maybe completely normal by that point? Cross your fingers? Uh, I sure hope so. You know, I uh, some of that's out of our control um, in, in, you know, just how things how things happen the next several months. But, uh, you know, my 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 process as far as planning and and uh you know what we're hoping to see happens is we're you know we're back to a regular schedule we're we're getting as many people in the stands as we can um you know in a safe way and uh and uh you know that uh that our football season uh this coming year um looks a lot more like uh you know the way things were in the in the 2019 2020 academic year um and uh i don't know that we'll ever we'll ever get back to uh you know uh 72,000 or whatever arrowheads uh holds to uh to watch a chiefs game you know where everybody's shoulder to shoulder but um you know at least not in the foreseeable future but i think you know i think those days are coming where um you know we can hopefully take the masks off and and we can uh, high five each other and shake hands and give hugs and and uh, you know start to uh, start to get back to the way things used to be and I'm I'm hopeful that we'll see that in MIAA sports this coming fall. We can't wait for that, but of course, very excited for the MIAA Indoor Track and Field Championships this weekend in the MIAA Basketball Tournament next week. Commissioner Racy, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks again to MIAA Commissioner Mike Racy for joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. The one thing he didn't mention was that we had to go around to do that interview twice. We had some technical issues the first time with our phone connection there, so got back on the horn a second time and knocked it out. So we're really appreciative of him of being very generous with his time and doing this interview with us and joining us on Bearcat Rewind today. In case you missed it, over the last few weeks, our guests have included Quade Curtin from Northwest Missouri State Soccer, head Bearcat Volleyball coach Amy Wirth, Bearcat Volleyball alum Miranda Mazzara, Northwest Missouri State Men's Basketball coach Ben McCollum, and many more, so check out those little podcasts. Thanks to Northwest Missouri State Professor Alex Kurt producing our intro and outro music, and thank you for listening to Bearcat Rewind. Please subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends about the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We will talk to you again next time.